On this edition of Flying High, the Philly fans' perspective, we are going in-depth on the Eagles draft selections, all the picks, delving in deep with a little bit of expert insight. But first, send request. Play us in. You have no idea how high I can fly. Welcome into a very special edition of Flying High, the Philly fans' perspective. Tonight, it's just me, Pete. There's no Justin. He was not able to make it. It's been a while again. We've been on hiatus. We go on hiatuses or hiatus-i, whatever the correct terminology is for that. Um, Every so often now, just two very busy schedules. Justin's a full-time teacher as well as a coach and, most importantly, a full-time husband and dad. He kills it across the board. But his schedule's been pretty packed, and I've been packed as well doing different golf tournaments and checking out some minor league baseball. Just going to give you a little Phillies minor league update today as I was working my Greensboro Grasshoppers game. They're playing the Lakewood Blue Claws. Shortstop Louis Garcia, or Louis Garcia, however he likes to pronounce his name. He's an 18-year-old. He's the fourth-ranked prospect on the Phillies' top 30 he looks like a strong candidate for a Jean Segura replacement once his time is up. I mean, the kid's 18 years old, so we'll see We'll see where he goes from here. He definitely has to develop a little bit more. He was a shorter fella. I'm not sure exactly how tall he was, but it was a little bit of a hybrid between Jimmy Rollins and Freddie Galvis that I saw. Uh, he had that Jimmy Rollins swag and had a, a very speedy element to his game. He was doing a hit and run and stole like five bases. They None of them actually counted, but he stole five times in a row and real quick jump and some quick feet. But his actual build reminded me more of a Freddie Galvis type, uh, short and stocky. But um, he was the one standout in a game where Lakewood didn't really look too good. But um, it was a Monday game at 12 o'clock, the fourth game, maybe even the fifth game of a long weekend in Greensboro for the Blue Claws, but that's your Phillies minor league update. In other news, before we start this uh, this interview with Jake Molesky, we're, de- we're delving deep into the Eagles draft. Uh, Jake's an expert at the morning call. He is the go-to guy surrounding all things Eagles draft. It's funny because he's actually a Chargers fan. I didn't know that. I learned that once I started talking to him, and man, he, he has really good takes on... I think he produced three or four mock drafts for the Eagles, and he's a football guy. Uh, he played in high school and in college, and his breakdown gets very technical, more technical than I can uh, assess, but he, he taught me a lot about the draft, and I'm looking at it a little bit differently. I'm a little bit disappointed in some of the later picks, especially when he's bringing up the names of players who we passed on. But it's a draft, so we're not going to know for about three years or so if it was a a pass or a fail. And we touch on um, how if one of the first two picks really becomes a home run, then it's a successful draft and all the other picks don't really matter. But we'll get there, my conversation with Jake. But before we do that, I want to say a big... Thank you to number 56, Chris Long. He officially announced his retirement. Um, As as I talked to, Jake actually mentioned that he thought this was going to happen. I guess I should have seen it coming. We all should have seen it coming because he's holding out from voluntary workouts. And 
he was just he was really trying to make up his mind and you'd think with all all the years of football he's played it it seemed like he wasn't going to come back if he was trying to decide this late into the season but a little part of me wanted to remain hopeful but Chris Long was a game changer in our locker room we would not have won a Super Bowl without him one of the most memorable plays in Eagles history the probably the most memorable play in my lifetime of watching the Eagles was that uh, he rushed Case Keenum and he's the man who got his arm in the NFC championship game forcing an interception pick six I was at the link uh, that was the loudest I had ever heard it and really from there on out it was not smooth sailing but essentially smooth sailing to the Super Bowl he was one of the dog mask leaders uh, he just rang the bell at the Sixers game that I was at um, game six and just an incredible leader on the field in the locker room and an even better person off the field he donated his salary last season or two years ago to uh, fund, help fund education and just doing the right thing at all times and and just a great guy all around so he's going to really be missed I hope that he embraces his time in Philadelphia and settles down as an ambassador for the Eagles or just sticks around because I know he bounced around a little bit uh, he was with the Patriots but Philadelphia will always be home for him if he would like it to be him and Lane Johnson were an incredible duo in that dog mask combo so Chris Long Thank you. I will still be getting your jersey um, at some point because you have the same last name as me and because you are an Eagles legend forever. So thank you, Chris Long. Good luck in your retirement. And I guess now we're just going to transition right in. Jake and I will have our conversation. We we did this last week. I think it was it was the day or two after the Sixers thing that we won't talk about, but I, I, we needed something to distract ourselves because uh, Jake likes all the other Philly sports teams, so the Eagles are the only one that he doesn't really, uh, is not a diehard for, so that Sixers game hurt all of us. So Jake Molosky, editorial assistant and the go-to guy for Eagles coverage on morningcall.com. Here's my interview with him. All right, and I'm welcoming in Jake Molusky. He is an editorial assistant at The Morning Call. He's a Chargers fan by nature, but he covers the Eagles draft uh, in in depth this year. Jake, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm doing good, P. How you doing? Just, just getting by, getting over the Sixers loss. I spent like all day thinking about the Sixers, and I need a little bit of Eagles to uh Four Bring times. my spirit up. Four times I had to watch that ball bounce. I that was the worst. I will agree. Man, I, I just to get off on a little bit of a tangent. I was like sitting in a kitchen chair, and the shot went up, and I stood up, and it went in, and I just like leaned against the nearest wall. <laughs> Not to be dramatic, but that was that was the most. Uh, yeah, it was just like double payback for the double doink in Chicago. It was so devastating. I couldn't do it. I turned it off. I sat there in silence and, and was in the dark for about a, a minute. And my <laughs> girlfriend walks in and goes, Jake, what are you doing? And I said, just, just please just give me this moment. I can't talk to anybody. It was it was hard. That was he's, uh, I watched that over and over again, like waiting for the time that it was just not going to go in because it's. It hits the front of the rim. It's not supposed to bounce off the front, off the back. I know. And it's just not. It's like Kawhi had superpowers at that moment and was just like moving the ball in. I couldn't. I was just lost at how that happened. Just, yeah. 
Well, we'll touch on that another time. We're not bringing ourselves down today. So Jake is a football expert. He played football at Southern Lehigh High School. He played football at Dickinson College. And now, like I said before, he's covering the Eagles uh, draft exclusively for the morning call this past year. And we are going to go over the Eagles draft in general, how it's looking in the future, and uh, how they're going to make their way back towards the top of the league. So we'll start off right at the top. They drafted in the first round, 22nd overall, Andre Dillard, an offensive tackle out of Washington State. They moved up three spots to pick him, which tells me that he is definitely the heir to Jason Peters, and we'll touch on that more um, after we go over his skill set sort of. But what were you thinking when they first called his name? I, 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 I like the pick. Immediately I'm going to say that. Um, I really like the pick. I thought it was smart. Um, but the thing is, is I, I know that the Texans wanted him. Um, Dillard, Dillard is a great, great pass blocker. And Deshaun Watson struggled extremely bad last year. I mean, he, it wasn't even close. He was sacked the most in the league. And when you look at Dillard and someone that can protect the passer as well as he did for a team like Washington State that throws the ball 600 times a year, you know, Gardner Minshew was a Heisman candidate this year because of how good of a pass blocker Dillard was. He led in what less than a per, half a percent uh, per per like per season. Like uh, there'd be rush. It's it's insane the guy, um, his skill set. But um, I know the Texans wanted him, and so when they jumped up and they grabbed him, I literally immediately was like, that's why they they wanted him. They know he's good, and they want someone to replace Jason Peters, just like you were talking about. So I thought it was a good move. Yeah, that makes sense, actually. I did not know that about the Texans, but uh, I just know that Deshaun Watson, every week, he was on my fantasy team, and it was like questionable, 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 because he was just walking wounded all season, getting yep. the, the snot beat out of him. So now it makes sense even more so why they traded up to grab him. And you're right, he was the best pass defender or the past offensive lineman in the draft. Um, he ranked first among all FBS offensive tackles with a 94 pass blocking rating, according to pro football focus. But I think most importantly was that he only allowed one sack in his senior season. And the Eagles have the greatest asset behind center. So they had to invest in protection for him uh, with Jason Peters on the outs. Yeah, I mean, you look at a quarterback like Wentz, and we're talking similar to what you were saying about Watson. He's he's a little he's a little banged up. Uh, he hasn't finished the season yet. Um, I mean, he's always had some type of injury. It's not, I mean, some worse than others, but sometimes it's it's you worry about a guy like that. You know what I mean? And uh, he's six five, two forty. I mean, or two thirty five if I'm wrong. But he's 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 he should be. I mean, a, a good strong. He's a prototype quarterback. But um, you want to get somebody to to protect him. I mean, the other thing you're looking at, which is uh, we can if you, you want to get into about Peters, he's he's also injury prone. And if say he goes down during the season and you don't got someone to fill in besides uh, a backup that I don't think is even close to touching the field yet, it could have been a bad situation. So I mean, I think they made a really smart move. I think they made a really good move in, in getting protection for Wentz because. I mean, that's what he needs right now. You have talent everywhere, and getting someone to just kind of secure that was, uh, I think that was a smart play. Yeah, and you're absolutely right about Jason Peters. He's the kind of guy who you cannot, I mean, 
He's a great mentor off the field, but in recent years, he just cannot stay healthy on the field. Not even for a game at a time. He'll go in the first quarter, hurt himself, go out for a quarter, come back in. But it's that kind of disruption of the flow when you have, you know, Vitae coming in as a backup for one quarter and then Peters comes back in. Nobody's able to get into their rhythm. And when you have a guy like Lane Johnson um, on the right side, you need somebody as solid as Jason Peters, uh, not in his prime, but just a solid left tackle to defend that blind side to keep both sides of Carson Wentz protected. So that's where Dillard is. Uh, he's Can he come in? I guess my question is, can he come in this season should Jason Peters get hurt and perform at an NFL level? I absolutely believe that he can. I mean, you said it already. He was the highest graded pass blocker. He has so much experience that he was he this guy. I'm sure he needs to he needs to work on his run blocking. Um, he didn't do that a whole lot, and they did not do any type of eye formation. So that's going to be new for him. But a guy as athletic as he is, run blocking is not hard, especially for a tackle at the NFL level. It, it it's hard, and I'm not going to downplay it. But but it's something that can be learned, and something that he. Getting knowing that he can kick step back and and, and he, his footwork is on point and knowing that his hands and, and he knows how to how to play off of the defenders it's it's very important that those are the things that he has first before he builds just that run block I mean it, it's it's almost as impressive that he learned it so quick because of his transformation in college that I don't have any doubts that he'll learn how to play the tackle position at the NFL level he'll play it at a high level. And I'm thinking, I mean, if, if, if Peters gets hurt, I could see him coming in within the season and doing well. Not Maybe not being the best right away, but I could see him doing very well. So I have faith, I, I believe. And yeah, so I guess do you see him coming in over Vitae if it comes down to that? Because I don't want to make any predictions or any bad mojo on the team, but I just feel at some point in this season, Jason Peters is not going to make it through a complete game and somebody's going to have to step in. That's a Is that even a difficult decision for Doug Peterson or does it work kind of like a quarterback who you have behind a quarterback where you're not going to put him in if he's not ready? I don't, I, I don't see someone who now there's, there is a Jordan Malata. I can't say his name. Yeah. Jordan Malata. Yeah. Yeah. That's his name. And see, that's the thing. I know all about this guy, the Australian, um, he's a rugby player or something. And and, yeah. And see, that's a whole different story. That guy is not ready to, he has not even played a full, at least now played a full season of football, but he had, he has to uh, actually learn the game before he can just get in there. Someone like Dillard, Someone like, and the other thing is the offensive line is he could play at multiple spots if he really, really needs to. So maybe he could go to that right ta- tackle spot and Lane Johnson sh- could shift over. Things like that could happen. That's It's not happened in the past, but at need be, things like that can happen if they feel confident. But Dillard is the type of player that it translates. Um, the NFL level, the tackle position, it will translate. You will see guys at different speeds. Um, surely they're going to be faster, but the speed is something that a first rounder should be able to make to, to adapt to. And I think that, yeah, he absolutely could come in and play. There's look at uh, Nelson this, this past year, he was all pro all rookie right out of Quinn Nelson, right out of Notre Dame as a rookie. I mean, sure. It's a, he's a guard, but let's not downplay the positions, you know, I mean, to come in and just be an all pro it shows players can translate and for how good, how I think I was very impressed with his tape and I was very impressed with just his numbers too, just from like the st- st- pure standpoint that he was able to protect uh, Minshew like he was. 
I mean, he could come in and play this year without a doubt. And Vitae, I mean, he's he's had his ups and downs, but I do not hear a lot of good things out of Eagles fans about him sometimes. <laughs> yeah, he had uh, he had like one good run in it. Yeah, it happened to lead to the Super Bowl, so good timing. But he never really re- returned to that form, and he's in the last part of his last year of his deal. So I don't think he'll be coming back. I actually, when this pick happened, the first thing I thought was, are they giving up on Jordan Mailata? And when I you know, sat back and thought about it. Mylotta is only 22 years old, and like you said, he's a guy who played rugby, which is a completely different game than football. So it's going to take time for him to transition to an NFL-quality player. There's a lot of space in the backup position right now. Uh, the offensive line's getting a little bit older with uh, Brandon Brooks is out with an injury right now, but he's up at 30 years old, and then Jason Kelsey's getting older. So they could slot Mylotta into one of those spots. Do you see, I I know this is a lot of questions about this year where we don't know what's going to happen, but uh, Brooks is out for at least four games, five games. We don't know exactly how long that's going to be. Would they think about sticking this guy into the guard position to start off the season, or are they going to stick with a different player? Who are, you, who are you thinking, Dillard or is that who you think? Yeah, I'm thinking. Would they think about no. putting Dillard at the guard no, position? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. You're not going to take a guy because of injury. You still have those players like Brooks who who can come back. And I mean, you don't have a left guard. I'll say that, but you you did pick up um a few players to try and fill that gap. I mean, guard is a bit easier to fill because uh, it takes less pass blocking ability. So. Um, you're going to be able to find a little bit better guys, especially if, if they don't know the technique. You know what I mean? You can't just bring a guard and put them at tackle, but you can take a tackle and put them at guard. You see what I'm saying? But yeah. But the thing is about Dillard is, is that he's such a talented left tackle. You're not going to take a guy who is so polished as a pass blocker and then mess that up by changing his position. You know what I mean? Because it'll take away from the – it's just like anybody not – like a, a pitcher not pat, practicing a fastball because he's too he, – his, his curveball is not good enough. You know what I mean? But then letting it go, it, it, it just wouldn't happen. So it's just more of like um, you, you just don't want to mess up his flow, his game. Um, but I definitely think there are certain players that can step in. I mean, you did get a lot of in the, in the undrafted free agents. You mentioned a couple guys. Um, I personally like a few of them, that, and I think they could be good. I'm a big Penn Stater, and I saw Ryan Bates is a undrafted guy you picked up. And I think, I mean, hey, give him a shot. Let's see how he plays. Um, he's, a, he's a Penn Stater. You know, I, he's got some heart. Yeah, I'm yeah. A, a little biased, too, about that. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I just uh, – I think that you guys do have some potential to uh, find other replacements. You don't want to put Dillard there. Yeah, they actually just signed uh, Wisniewski again from Penn State this morning. So yeah, they, they're, they're, they're probably that. thinking about – putting him in Brooks' spot until Brooks comes yeah, back. Absolutely. Oh, they might keep him at left guard and fine and put Pryor, his backup, uh, Brooks, and have him battle. But training camp's coming up, and li- like you said, it, it's it's too early in the season to like, really tell. The only thing I can guess is that they're definitely going to have a competition for that um, because, you, I mean, your guard situation besides Brooks, le- that just left side has always struggled with a solid player and someone not getting hurt or someone not playing bad. So, I mean, it, it is a crapshoot, so – well, I mean, that's a we'll see kind of situation. It's all we can do. It's still early, like you said, but always hashing things out. Now, I know you said Dillard struggled in the run blocking game or just was inexperienced More, transitioning yeah. into the second pick 53rd overall. They 
Eagles choose Miles Sanders out of Penn State to assess a running back issue that was just uh, abysmal last season. Backfield finished 28th in rushing yards and second last in yards per carry. And it was just a headache all season to watch the running game and how nobody was able to break out and really stand out above the rest. What do you see Miles Sanders doing with an immediate impact on this Eagles running back core that is now essentially broken up? All right. So you heard what I said. I'm a Penn State guy. All right. (laughs) I'm going to tell you right now. You found your feature back. That's it. I'm telling you right now, Jordan Howard can play the LeGarrette Blunt role, but you found your feature back in Miles Sanders. This guy, he's legit. Legit. He, he has all the tools. He's low center of gravity. He's quick. He's elusive. He's strong. He finishes with authority. I mean, the guy's unafraid to get hit. He played years behind a very talented running back, which we all, uh, we both know is from a Lehigh Valley native, who I won't say is – I'm not going to say Miles Sanders has Saquon potential, of course, but I, I do think that Sanders is a very, very good running back, better than Jay Ajayi. I see him as a 1,000-yard runner, man. I really do. He, he, he may not get it this year, but – Next year, the year after that, he could he could be that guy for you. And then Howard can kind of play that backup, that goal line role if need be. You know what I mean? Give him a break type of deal. And Howard's a solid runner. You're going to get five years. He, he'll play similar to how C.J. Anderson played for the Rams this year, if you remember how he played in the, in the playoffs. Came in, bruised, got 5, 10, 20 yards. If the player needed a break, well, Gurley needed – he was hurt. But you get to how I'm trying to compare it. Yeah, yeah. And it, it could be a really talented combo right there. Yeah, so, I mean, there's a lot of talk that Miles Sanders can bring back the LaShawn McCoy style of running to the Eagles. And I I saw this as the front office kind of trying to find the best of both worlds in Eagles Pass where they have a LeGarrette Blunt style runner who, on that run to the Super Bowl, LeGarrette Blunt was absolutely crucial to the success. He had huge games every playoff game. He had a two touchdowns in, or he had a huge touchdown in that Vikings game, another huge touchdown in the Patriots game and was just breaking off big runs as a bruiser. And Jordan Howard has that ability. He is a pro bowl caliber player. Uh, He ran for over a thousand yards in his first two seasons and he still had nine touchdowns last year and almost got to the thousand yard mark. He lost a lot of time towards the end of the season, but now they have a guy like McCoy or not going to say mini Saquon, but somebody who styles his game after Saquon, would that be uh, appropriate to say? Absolutely. Watch them both play. I mean, you could completely see that they mirrored their not. He, I wouldn't say that Saquon mirrored, but Saquon runs very powerful, but he's almost Barry Sanders like. And you could see Miles Sanders in that same format. Maybe not as explosive, maybe not as quick, down, I mean, not as fast downfield, maybe not as strong. They can't jump as high type as deal. He's not the greatest athlete is what I'm trying to say, but he is still a fantastic athlete. It's just Saquon's a generational type of back. And I think Sanders is absolutely, absolutely an NFL starter. So I see no, I see no, I don't know. I, I don't want to say like he could be a pro bowler within a few years, but I, I could, I could see it happening is all I'm saying. Cause Philly's popular. The, I mean, people like the Eagles and uh, he, he could be like, like you were saying about McCoy. I believe it. I mean, I, I really like this guy. He has low miles. That's the thing, too, like low miles. He had one year of starting time, didn't get hurt. I mean, the guy is just he's ready to play. He's ready to go. And I think that he has something to prove as well because of the fact that he's in that NFC East with the Giants. So, I mean, 
And he's wearing 26, if I'm not mistaken. He is. And he was he was actually he put some sort of tweet up where somebody I, I think it was Penn State, their student blog or something put up uh, that Miles Sanders is going to wear Saquon Barkley's number 26 at the okay. Eagles. And he, he wasn't happy about that. That was not cool. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't like stuff like that. That's just poking fun and trying to and trying to play a little dirty right there. But I do think that uh, it's I don't know. He, I, it was. I mean, first of all, that was Jay Ajayi's number last year. So I don't even know what they're talking about. The Eagle, like Saquon's number twenty six. Like that's not who that was. It's. I. The whole thing was ridiculous. So I agree with you. But uh, I do think it's funny though that he that he did choose that number because there's definitely a choice in the matter. So um, it's just it's just interesting because I think my theory my theory my little theory is that I think uh, he put a he's just trying to make a little emphasis and maybe say something about how he thinks he'll do compared to him. You know what I mean? Within yeah. that. Decision. Yeah. I mean, he's been a little fun. I don't want to say that he's been living in Saquon's shadows for most of his career. Cause let's be real. Let's be real. Yeah. He has. <laughs> I mean, even, even in his one season after Saquon left, it was always some sort of comparison to Saquon or he played behind Saquon. So he's been living in that shadow for three years and, yeah, I mean, he's, he's gonna probably have to continue to do so, but he can make a name for himself and make Miles Sanders Miles Sanders when he comes to Philly. That's for certain. Great name. I don't know. I don't know if you agree with me, but Miles Sanders, like, what a fantastic name! <laughs> like, what, my name is so like confusing, but the guy gets Miles Sanders. It sounds like he's a blues singer. Like he plays the trumpet and like sings the blues. That's it's amazing. I don't know. I, mean, I, I like it. And Miles, <laughs> like you said, low Miles. That's uh, in That's right there. At, it is. <laughs> at a position where Miles matter. Miles matter. At a like, position where Miles matter. Alliteration. What, what's the running back these days? They play for like three or four seasons of their of their peak potential. So yeah. by saving those those two years in college. You're really getting a guy who played one full season of college football, but has the experience of they went it to three bowl games in, yeah. in his three seasons. So he has that experience playing in a big time program. And he has a winning mentality. He has a winning mentality. He has a winning he he knows what winning's like. He also knows what adversity's like. He he's a very I think he's a very experienced player in his own way. And I think he'll I like I said, I think he'll make an impact immediately. Yeah, and for the foreseeable future, at least this season he's paired with another Pro Bowler. So that's gonna be a two headed beast that Absolutely. In, in an NFL where there's not many teams that run off one back, I guess the Giants are definitely an exception and Cowboys. <laughs> yeah. So the whole NFC East is an exception. Adrian Peterson still trying to do his thing. But, exactly. but they got they got Geist back. Is it Darius Geist, the LSU running back? Oh, they got him? Yeah, they got him last year. So Redson's probably going to start him over uh, Peterson this year. I, I see AP, but uh, the only problem that I could see out of this, not, not a problem, but it – it's more of a problem for Jordan Howard is that Doug Peterson doesn't run the football. I don't know if he's going to change his mind now that he's not running with Corey Clement, Josh Adams and, and company, but he doesn't run the football. Jordan Howard's not going to do well if they don't run the football. So I'm assuming they're going to have to design some sort of play style where Jordan Howard fits in like LeGarrette Blunt did, but how did Miles Sanders fit into the passing game? I know he had 24 receptions in his one season of full playing at the college level, but how do you see him as that sort of Darren Sproul style receiving running back? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, at Penn State, the guy was a swing. He ran swing pa- uh, routes, which are just like right into the the backfield where they throw him into the, you know what I'm saying? And then the, he ran uh, a lot of uh, wheel routes, 
say similar to what Saquon was doing as well. A lot of the highlights you see, um, Miles Sanders has experience running those types of plays as well. Um, doing that as a running back is pretty much the hardest part, trying to get open, trying to shake somebody um, downfield because it's not something that's like practice a lot when you don't have the ball in your hands. So, I mean, quick little routes, small little um, angle routes, those things are going to be pretty easy to learn for him. So he's he, he has the experience to do both, which is why he, he'll be like that Darren Sproles because he has experience catching all the routes a running back would catch. Um, how they're going to use him, I mean, I could see them doing it. I mean, this is, this is how the NFL has been transitioning with the RPO, the run pass option. I mean, Sanders is going to come in and you're going to see a lot of the RPO. You're going to see him – a lot of a lot of zone reads, a lot of handing the ball off in his own situation, a lot of the quarterback's choice. That's where he'll get the ball a lot, probably his rookie year. Um, but it and it depends a lot on how how uh, Wentz will feel about him at, at the uh, at running back and carrying the ball so much. That's why the quarterback will will take it. You know what I mean? They'll, that's why he took the ball a lot more last year. The quarterback did. They they threw a lot because of the, are those RPOs and not trusting the running back to you know just get those few yards sometimes. But with someone like Sanders, that could be trusted, and I think you'll see a lot, a little bit more running with him. But then you'll see a little bit, a little bit of him catching the ball in those situations too. Yet again, on the swing routes, maybe some screen passes. Um, that's how I mean he built up a lot of his. Uh, I think half of his catches were screen passes at Penn State, and um, you, you look at that and and him contributing that way. That could open up the ball, um, the, open up the opportunity for uh, Jordan Howard to come in and then get those design runs downhill the way that Legarrette Blunt was getting it. So it would be that's how they would. I look at them as splitting it um, coming up this year. They're most likely going to try and do that, and uh, I think it'll work. I mean, I think they're a perfect fit, like we were talking about. Yeah, and I like hearing that he's he can run those wheel routes. I know it's Carson's team this year, and I when yeah. Nick Foles was in the game more, so he he really liked to drop in a nice touch pass on the wheel route. But if oh, Carson yeah. Wentz can Corey work Clement. that, you remember that the Corey Clement catch? 20 oh seconds. my God! Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Exactly. He liked. He did it with Sproles too in the in in one of the I think it was the Houston game this year on on their run back to the playoffs. But it's just something where all of their offensive weapons between Ertz and Goddard, and then you have Alshon, Nelson, Jackson. We'll touch on all the wide receivers, but all those wide receivers get so much attention from the secondary, and you just slip a little wheel route in there and let them run. If you can make that touch pass, exactly, get him out in the open field and see if he can. Nothing more, dangerous, nothing more dangerous than the running back downfield with the ball in his hand. There's nothing more dangerous than that type of player. So it, it, I mean, it's it's scary. And it's it's really exciting for us Eagles fans because it like two seasons ago the rushing attack was a three-headed beast, and then last year you just wanted to bang your head against the wall all season. <laughs> I mean, Sproles wasn't healthy, Ajay wasn't healthy, Clement was nothing like what he was. And then you had guys like Smallwood who have been around but have been doing nothing. Yeah. So it's just it's just really nice to see that they're going to have this two-headed monster. And I, I guess I would assume that this is the end to Darren Sproles. Um, I'm sure it's the end to Jai with the Eagles, but uh, Darren Sproles had said he might want to come back. But I think this is uh, kind of all she wrote for Sproles on that end. Yeah, in situations like that, you're looking at a guy who is either going to just pop a retirement, go back to maybe – another team if he really feels like he can play i will see i mean just the injury factor i just don't see him wanting to keep doing it to his body you know somewhere else and uh i mean if he comes back and he plays like darren sproles you might see the eagles try and slip him in every now and then i mean that's the most optimistic hope that he could have you know what i'm trying to say yeah 
I, I don't, I, yeah, I don't see it much either though. He's, I mean, this would be his last year if he would come back, but I'd be surprised. Yeah. He's on that Jason Peters style of, you can't even trust him to stay in for a full game. So I would say that their best option in the third running back position is keep Corey Clement there. Just see if he can channel that 2018 <laughs> Super Bowl form when he just broke out, maybe in that third position he'll fit in better than trying to be a lead back They're they're trying to force him to be a lead back last season and he fought injuries but really it didn't work out in the eagles favor so we'll see moving forward but you know four picks later the birds are up on the board again and they go at jj arcega Whiteside, wide receiver out of stanford uh he's 6'3 225 and He's really, from what I've seen, he's a 50-50 kind of guy. He goes up and gets the ball. And like we were talking about before we started this, uh, he's a l- very similar to Alshon Jeffrey. Yes, he is. Um, so I'm going to I'm gonna change formats. You, you, you heard my tone. Very happy, very hopeful in the first two picks. And this one's going to change a, a little bit here. Uh, this, this I gave the Eagles a C-, and I was being generous. Um, it, it is a pick where I do not hate the player. I do not dislike the player. I think Orsega Whiteside's a great red zone threat, but that's the problem. He is just right now a red zone threat. He can make plays, but not quite at the NFL level yet to the uh, athleticism that he still, he doesn't quite have the speed to make some of those downfield plays he did at Stanford. Um, you're, you'll probably see him more in, within the 20-yard line. And right now you're looking at a team with a team like the Eagles with about four, three to four different targets in the in the red zone already with Ertz, with Goddard, with uh, Jeffrey. I mean, you could throw, you could throw to anybody, but you could you could throw to the running backs down there. They they like to do that a lot, and it's. I just did, I didn't see the need. I just didn't see the need for especially this type of player. They could have taken one of the big name receivers. Um, we talked. I mean, we talked before the show, like I said about Metcalf. I don't want to really go into him, but. There was opportunities to talk about to, to take someone bigger than that than maybe maybe just more potential wise because I just don't see Arcega Whiteside even contributing this year in a big format. He might catch 50 balls and a few touchdowns, but it's 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 something another player could have done, and especially when you look at who you could have taken. And this is where I'll get into where it's it's just almost a disappointment. I mean, you look at guys and you got like Taylor Rapp, you had Juan Thornhill, you got Nasir Adderley. These are, I mean, the top safeties, defensive backs in the class, highest grades. I had them graded high. I've watched their tape. I, I wrote about these dudes. And I'm not saying the Eagles dropped the ball in this situation, but, I mean, they did drop the ball in this situation. <laughs> they, they did exactly that. So yeah, I'm, not, I'm not saying it, but I'm saying yeah, it. I'm not saying it, but I'm saying it. it. It was just, it was disappointing. And, and I really did see them. I wanted them to take the hometown guy in this year, Adderley. He's a free safety, but he could he he could play corner. He's a fine tackler. Um, he one of the best cover guys in the draft. Plays to his like plays to the NFL speed. You could see his athleticism on the field. He's smart. He's instinctive. There are times where he may like lack sometimes uh, awareness in situations. Um, but the the way that he he combats that with his playmaking abilities. You just want a guy like that, and you and uh, Roseman letting him slip by. I was I questioned that, and that's why I gave that grade so bad. Nothing against Arcega Whiteside. He'll I, I he could be good. He could be an NFL starter, but I just you, there was opportunity at that 
50 was it 57 spot and yeah it was it was it was surprising that they went with him so early a, a guy that doesn't really improve the offense that much like you said a red zone threat that's not the type of receiver they needed to fix this offense they need a guy that can stretch the field a speed demon who can go at the long ball they have Deshaun Jackson but he's getting older uh, we don't know how long he'll keep up his speed and if you're looking long term and you're going to use a pick in the second round on a wide receiver, it makes a lot more sense to use it on a speed demon that can stretch the field, allow Carson to get the deep ball. Then you have guys like Goddard, like Ertz, who can be that safety net over the middle. And then you have your Alshon Jeffrey, who Alshon Jeffrey can stretch the field from, from my opinion, more than Whiteside can at this point. Alshon Jeffrey can I agree. at least go out and get a 50-50 ball on a, 40 yard pass or so as he showed uh, in the, in the Super Bowl. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're right. They should have went and got that speed demon. I mean, I'm going to I'm going to again, I'm going to give you the three names that they could have had and I'm going to go right right afterwards. These were picks 59, pick 62 and 64. Uh Colts took Paris Campbell. Oh my uh, god. Yep. Cardinals <laughs> took Andy Isabella and the Seahawks took DK Metcalf. Now, guess who the slowest person there was running a 4-3-3 as, as DK Metcalf. It, the speed that, that was still on the board and the speed that they could have had at that position, it would have been as if Deshaun, if Deshaun Jackson didn't play to the caliber they needed, they could have had someone fill in right there when they needed it. Like, you know, it, it would have been – Paris Campbell was a – He shouldn't have been on He shouldn't have been on the board at that point. They kept talking about it. He was slipping. He was slipping. Paris Campbell, so fantastic, and they let him go to the – I mean, I just don't see how they skip on a guy like that. They had, like I said, DK Metcalf, it, athletic monster. He a little limited in his route running ability, and he did have a few neck injury. Uh, he had a big freak neck injury, actually, and then I think he had some type of like foot or something like that the year before. And it was – I mean, the, just the talent that could have been taken is just ridiculous. And uh, I don't know. That's, that's the other part for me because, like I said, it's – yeah, you're not going to see Arcega Whiteside like you were saying. Go downfield over. I mean, you might see him in the red zone catching a ball, a, a corner ball going up. He might have a one-handed catch, and everyone might be amazed. I'm not saying he's a bad receiver. It's just he's not going to be able to just absolutely dust a cornerback at the NFL le- level like some of those guys could have. Like it's it's just not going to happen. So I don't know. It- yeah, yeah, man, and they're already congested in the red zone. Not that you can ever lack weapons in the red zone, but there's so many guys who fit that profile already. They needed the guy to stretch the field. And the other kind of knack or knock on this selection is, like you said, it was a historic defensive draft, and there was just depth oh, yeah. at every position on oh. defense. And, and you can never not have enough defensive players in the NFL. You need depth. Even with a lot of moving parts in the secondary, they could have used another safety to basically try out in uh, in training camp. That's what they're doing this year. There's so many options. They're going to see what fits. In the second round, if you have a historic defensive player that could potentially be a game changer, that's where you, gotta, that's where you have to look early on. Yeah, you got to draw the line there. And I mean, it, it, it just... It's it's I would I would rephrase I wouldn't call it a historic defensive uh, class within the secondary this year there wasn't any really big game changers the defensive line this year was absolutely historic but that's another thing is there's options to take at the at D line and uh, I know they addressed that later um, with Miller from Penn State but it was just 
I don't, I don't see him as the option. There was just other ways to go at that second pick. And it was, I, I would, I just question Roseman's decision there trying to get another red zone target. I mean, you got, I mean, let, now if you think you got six, it, uh, looking at it, hopefully you have six, four Alshon Jeffrey, six, three Alshon Jeffrey, six, four Zach Ertz, was he six, five or something? Goddard's around six, four, six, five. And then you have now Arcega Whiteside at six, three. That's, that's a good, that's, See, that's what Roseman may look at it in, in the bright side of it. Like, well, we have all these targets down there, and now we're just almost guaranteed to score. Like, that's what he probably was trying to bring within that pick. You know what I mean? Trying to be just like, oh, uh, like we're going to have touchdowns galore now, and we're going to bring Wentz back to the time he threw 35 touch or 33 touchdowns in 12 games. Because, I mean, that's what they want for him, and I could see them wanting that. So maybe that's why they did it. But just yet again, like I said, as a team move, that was not the best choice. Yeah, and they've always had a player who they might not have been the biggest impact player, but a Torrey Smith style player who could stretch the field in that playoff run. Again, it's just what they're going to be lacking. And they had, it was just before we even went into the draft, I, I was having a, we had another podcast earlier on and it was around the time they signed Deshaun, I think. And we were wondering when they were going to assess the running back issue. There wasn't a huge need at wide receiver going into this offseason. There was questions about whether they'd bring Golden Tate back. But when you have a guy like Ertz and then you draft Goddard next year, you almost want to see them working, I don't know, just working in that two-man tight end formation where... I agree with you. I absolutely agree with you. I think, I think it's the smart move to do, like, to like, think about it. You, you don't draft two tight ends who are the two best pass catchers in each draft. You don't just, you don't do that. You're doing it for a purpose. I mean, I think they, if they're going to do that, you do it for a purpose you, you, and, and you throw to those guys. So you're going to run a lot of, you know, New England Patriots sets. You're going to try and do stuff like that because you want one of your tight ends going downfield and catching the ball at all times. You don't want one of those guys not trying, not being a receiver. And I know that's a fact that those guys are always going downfield. I mean, I was, remember that hard knocks from last year. What's his name? Uh, Kendricks came over to the Browns. Oh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember, what he re- remember what he read and Jeffrey was there. All those guys are still on the team. Aguilar, all of them. And he said, Zach Ertz is their best receiver by like, it's not even close. So I'm just saying like, you, you got to have those guys going downfield at all times. And with that, you're going to not need as much at the receiver position. I mean, you're going to need Jeffrey when you got him, which he's a fantastic player. Um, Jackson, we were right. We're writing him off a little bit. I, I do think a little too much. I mean, the guy can still run. So I think he might be able to play next year. But yet again, it is an iffy thing. But we'll see. And then Aguilar. I mean, he's a $9 million cap hit. So you do kind of want to see him like produce a little more than what he does. He was a first round pick. I'm not going to deny that. He should be better. But he made some splashy plays, man, and it's just I would have ran with what you just said. Like I don't, I just don't see that need for receiver. I don't know. Yeah, and they have other guys like Mac Hollins who is yeah. sitting in the shadows. He was out all last season with some sort of injury, but we can harp on it all we want. The pick's been made. Uh, <laughs> personally, I would. I don't really care. I, I don't want to say I don't care how he produces. I hope he turns out to be a great pick. That'd be phenomenal, but. The thing that frustrated me the most last season is that I, Dallas Goddard was a rookie. I understand that, but they need to use him so much more with Ertz. The two of those guys are their matchup nightmares. Someone's always going to have a mismatch, and they have hands, like they said, the best hands on the team. Yep. So you take a unique approach, and 
We'll see. They touched on the they they fixed the running back situation, so maybe everything will work. And uh, before we move on, I, I do want to say I'm I'm not counting out Deshaun Jackson this season. He could have an all pro year for all we know. He still has that speed. It's just when you're assessing needs in the draft, you're looking long term. Yeah. And I would see somebody needs to be waiting in Deshaun Jackson's uh in the back his back pocket to take his role moving forward and. Whiteside's not that guy, but yeah. that's why uh, Jake Molusky gave it a C minus, and that was being generous. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, no, good point, good point. I mean, you're right. You do need somebody when it, when they do hit that age. So, yeah, I mean, there's options, but like you said, pick's been made. <laughs> so uh, moving on, this is going to be the last pick that we touch on in depth. Um you know, they lost a, a few guys on that defensive line, most notably Michael Bennett. He's now a New England Patriot. But they they needed to find one more strong defensive player in this draft who he's not going to produce at a Michael Bennett level this season per se, but someone to sit in the shadows again and learn from a really talented defensive line, a defensive line that has Fletcher Cox. They brought back Jern again. They have Curry back again, and then they bring in a Malik Jackson. I mean, they're a very talented defensive line. And then fourth round, 138th overall, they go back to Happy Valley and they select defensive end Sharif Miller, who is a hometown hero. He grew up in Philadelphia. Uh, I don't know if you saw, but he had cried with his grandfather when the Eagles won the Super Bowl. And now he has a chance to be part of the defensive line of a team to do it again. I did not know that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, he's I, I saw somewhere that Sanders and Miller joked around about becoming Eagles when they get drafted. And lo and behold, here we go. We have it. Cool. Yeah. But uh, he's six, five, two fifty five. And he can he can produce, to say the least. He was on that Penn State team along with Sanders, who made it three bowl games. They were really the first team that brought Penn State back from that. I guess, what would you call it? An abyss of college yeah, football? It's to say abyss. They brought him back from the abyss. They brought him back from the abyss. Really did. Uh, he played in 13 games in 2017 and then 12 in 2018. Uh, getting around 25 solo tackles, about 40, uh, 40 total tackles. But what I like to see is that he is in the backfield. Uh, seven and a half sacks his senior, I'm sorry, his junior season, which was his final season and 15 tackles for loss. And if there's anything that the Eagles thrive on, it is the defensive line, that defensive front forcing pressure on the quarterback. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to call Sanders about, I mean, Sanders, uh, <laughs> Miller, I was say uh, Miller, a bad player. I mean, I liked him a lot at Penn state. He's a, he's a good run defender. Um, he holds his ground really strong. He's, that's the that's the issue though is I thought beforehand before the combine I actually thought he was stronger than what he was he disappointed me with uh, 16 reps I mean you're gonna see guys get 30 at the uh, defensive end spot and it's it's you wish he was a little stronger for his size because he isn't exactly the heaviest either but as a four three end it's it's gonna be I mean he'll be it's a good size so but the other thing, though, that you got to consider here is that the Eagles don't really run a traditional defense. Now, the Eagles run a 4-2-5 more than anything else. And what that means is that you're going to have less linebackers on the field. So you're going to have less people who are going to be able to stop the run at a better rate. So you want a little bit of a bigger defensive line. Um, and with that, that's why they took guys, Fletcher Cox, 300 pounds, uh, Jack Malik Jackson, 300 pounds. 
You got guys like Barnett. He's two seven. He's a big boy. Um, and then Brandon Graham, another defensive end, but he's two eight, big guy. That's why you need guys like that who can step up and stiff the run. Um, and I didn't see Miller fit in that. I don't think he's a bad player. I think he could develop. I really think he could develop into something, you know, worthwhile, an NFL starter. And I, he's got a great story. So, I mean, why not in Philadelphia? But I think that um, if he doesn't do those things, if he doesn't maybe gain 20 pounds and maybe get a little stronger, it's it's going to be rough for him. He, he could turn into a pass rush specialist, but problem is, is like you said, he had, what did you say? I think you said seven sacks last year. I don't know. Yeah, if that was, yeah. yeah it's seven and a half last year. And half, yeah. And a few of those were, uh, I think he had three sacks in one game. So it, a little inconsistent is, is, is the problem. And he's a little inconsistent in his hand placement. I watched his, uh, I, I really watched him um, in the pro, his what's pro day. And I watched him during the con, like the combine. I just met, cause I wanted to see how he played. And um, I was, I, I didn't think he was bad, but I just, I, I definitely thought that uh, he didn't look the best out there. Um, so I was a little worried. People saw him as a day three pick, um, but the Eagles took him. I don't, I, I guess they think that he's going to be bigger than what I think, but I do don't think it's a bad pick is all I'm saying. I don't think it's a bad pick, but he is going to be probably the fifth or sixth defensive end. I mean, I, I doubt uh, Chris Long coming back at this point, but um, he's, He's going to get buried below some people. So, I mean, he might be a rotational player for the next couple of years, few years, um, depending on how Graham plays or Curry plays. But, I mean, I think he's uh, he's got potential. So, we'll see. Yeah, he uh, – I mean, when you're surrounded by a group of guys who are as experienced and solid leaders, like a, uh, a guy like Fletcher Cox is just a really good leader off the field, you hope that those kind of guys – rub off and help him get stronger in the weight room in that transition from college to the pros. And a guy like Brandon Graham is somebody who was seen as a disappointment for the early part of his career, seen as a bad pick and he's turned out to be a Philadelphia hero. So you don't know if you're going to get half of that out of Miller, but I guess in the fourth round, was it a reach to go for him that early? I see. I do. And this is again where it's unfortunate. I'm not calling him a bad player again. I'm not doing that to, I'm not trying to do that to these guys, but uh, I think that um, they had an opportunity to take the number. I think he was the number three, number four or five. I'm not too positive. I had him at three, but I think a few guys had him at five. They had an opportunity to take the starting middle linebacker in the national championship game for a two time. They didn't win, but two time champion, uh, Roland Tide and Mac Wilson. He went to the Browns in the fifth round, and the Eagles had the chance to take who was probably the twitchiest. Next to Devin Bush, I'll say this. He was probably the fastest linebacker in playing speed out there, which would have fit their needs, and they could have taken him as a linebacker because they, they did just pick up Zach Brown. I know they did that. Yeah. But, they... Yeah, but I but at the time, like you were saying, Zach Brown's a, a pretty old. I'm pretty positive. I don't know how old he is. But, uh, yeah. I don't know. They could have taken Mac Wilson, and I was just very. I was like, why did they? Then why did they not take that guy? You know what I mean? It's just one of those things of he was just sitting there for you. Oh my goodness! I don't know. Yeah, I mean Zach Brown's twenty nine, so he's definitely older than an NFL draft pick this season. Two year old, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just yeah. a little bit. I I still like what they get out of Zach Brown. I, I think him too. I I wasn't. That's why I didn't trash it too much. But uh, I like Zach Brown. But it's just yet again, though, dude. 
you're looking at Mac Wilson. I'm talking 22. He's a watch. You watch. He'll probably sit. Uh, he'll probably start for that Browns team, and you never know how those Browns will do in the next couple of years. I'm just, I'm just saying. No, I, I know, and especially at the linebacker position where they've had so much. Uh, inconsistent play out of Jordan Hicks where he was supposed to be that guy, that play caller who would be the future of the team. And he just simply couldn't stay healthy. Zach Brown's going to be a good fill in, but I look in the future for them to assess that. I I guess, I guess for now they're just looking linebacker was not the uh, priority in this draft, but it's not might be a might be a missed opportunity you never know yeah maybe. <laughs> <laughs> the other i mean the other thing with all these draft picks is you know you can analyze all the picks before yeah. the first game even happens and then you can analyze all the picks after the first season happens but yeah. really it takes a few years to find out whether somebody is a great pick or a bust so that's true we'll, we'll come back and see what's up with that in three years but just just <laughs> ra- rounding out the eagles draft they go uh fifth round 167th overall clayton thorson a quarterback out of northwestern who is uh likely going to be third string i guess now because they did eagles did just sign cody kessler uh from jacksonville i mean this just seemed like a pick where they needed a backup quarterback they needed some depth at the quarterback position but I if you're know. gonna if you're gonna pick a guy like thorson why not just get somebody and you know, undrafted free agency and use a fifth round pick to get a player on the board who can make more of an impact and is going to see more playing time on the field. Yeah, I'm, I struggled with this one and it's only because of the fact that it's, uh, he's actually not even coming in to be a backup. He's coming in to be the backup backup. And then they bring in Cody Kessler, which they could have just done originally. And then you got your quarterbacks, right? You got your three guys and you don't need Thorson. I, I don't understand the, the third the third because they've already stated Sudfeld's the backup this year. He's gonna he's gonna make three million dollars. They don't pay that guy that much money to be like that's the reason he's he's the backup quarterback. And um, to me, it was just the only way I look at this is they took him because they they were are worried again about Wentz and they're worried that Sudfeld could Sudfield couldn't be that guy. So they went with that emergency backup in Clayton Thorson, who he he is definitely someone who could develop into a fine player. I actually do think um, he was a four year starter. I'm pretty sure while he was at uh, Northwestern. I mean, he's a good he's a good player. He's just I just didn't understand the pick when they could have had other they could have for, they, for example they, I wrote about it they could have had David Long. Um, he was the Big Twelve Defensive Player of the Year. He had uh, I think a hundred and. 11 tackles, I think something crazy, like 22 tackles for loss from the inside linebacker position and eight sacks. The guy was an animal. Plays with a lot of instinct, but and, and he's a little undersized, but he's about the size of Devin Bush, and you could have had him there. Um, and then you look at somebody like uh, who, who the Ben Burke, or I think it's Ben Burke Hervin. Uh, he's a Washington uh, linebacker, led the country in tackles last year. There were other people to get. Um Breaking down Thorson, I mean, like I said, he played in the Big Ten, and he's a good player. He's got a great arm. He's got his prototype size, which I think the Eagles do really covet in a quarterback, that prototype 6'5", 6'4". I think uh, Sudfeld's 6'6". Um, they covet that. And uh, so, I mean, maybe that's why they went after him. And like I said, it, it's it's just how we were talking about before with Wentz. He uh, he needs some help, you know what I mean, sometimes. And, uh, I mean, he's had to have, get help into the playoffs each year. And uh it, it, it is a confidence killer. I mean, people who want to say like, oh, well, he, it doesn't matter to him or 
they want to get his back. But I mean, I wonder how he feels when he was sitting on the couch in the playoffs. You know what I mean? Like those types of things do sit, they resonate with players and, uh, it could have made an impact, and I mean, the Eagles might just need someone to challenge them. So that could also be what it's what it is. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I wasn't even looking at it. First off, you have just made me feel so much worse hearing what we could have got at that position. Yeah. I mean, you just see a quarterback that's going to be a third string quarterback drafted in the fifth round, and you immediately think, God, that was a reach. There's there's just no other way to put it. I mean. Maybe they caught the New York Giants disease of drafting quarterbacks too early with that Daniel Jones pick, but I don't know if it was a competition to see who could do worse. I mean, these moves in the past few days, signing Kessler and, and the draft of Thorson, you're right. It does show that I don't know if I would say they don't have confidence in Wentz's health, but they're definitely stacking up at the quarterback position now that they don't have Nick Foles in their back pocket to have a Super Bowl MVP to throw out there if Wentz gets hurt. It's it's going, I mean, knock on wood, which I've just yeah. found, knock on wood, should something like that happen, it's going to be a crapshoot in Philadelphia trying to find the guy to replace Wentz. So we're not even going to talk about that. But it'll, it would probably be Sudfeld. Yeah. It's just that in a defense that could, like I said before, it could never not have enough depth, especially at the linebacker position where, I mean, you got Zach Brown and you have Brad and Grugier Hill. You could have used somebody else. You really could have used somebody else, but nah, no need to harp on it. We'll see what happens there. Uh, could have picked him later. That's all. Seventh round. They go ahead and they trade for Hassan Ridgeway, who's a D tackle from the Colts. And this is the kind of guy who is a large man, 6'3", 305 pounds. And you hope he can work side by side, getting a few reps in with Fletcher Cox to be uh, the defensive stuffer. I forget who you mentioned. You mentioned someone before who could serve as the defensive stuffer next uh, to uh, Fletcher. I was talking about Jerry Tillery at the time, but he's a charger now, baby. So I don't yeah. think so. <laughs> so, so this is our last ditch effort to, to get that style player with Ridgeway. Uh, he's been in the league for three years. You also got, you also got Malik Jackson though. I just want to throw that in there. Malik oh Jackson. yeah. Yeah. This is, this Jackson. is like, this is like our, you know, when Jackson needs a break or something. I, uh, I think yeah, rotational guy, Trayvon Hester style player, but with, uh, I guess more experience. I, I haven't looked too far into Ridgeway, but I just saw 305 pounds and yeah. you know, it never, it never hurts to have a big man up there in the middle Absolutely. stuffing people. That, no, no, no. I, I thought it was a fine move. I mean, it's a seventh round guy. You just, you're just looking to find someone that you think could like help compete on your team, make your team better. And when you're reaching in those low rounds, you're not looking to make, you know what I mean? You're not looking to grab a star. Um, just being honest at this point, but, uh, I mean, unless you get lucky, but, uh, it's just it's it, that's what he is. I mean, he he's going to be a fine player. I mean, I think uh, he'll come in. I don't know. Like I said, I don't know too too terribly much about him. I know he's been in the year three uh, years. He hasn't made me in the league for three years. He hasn't made that much of an impact, obviously, with the Colts for them to give him up so easily. But um, I mean, I think he could come in. Him and Jernigan, they could fl- uh, come right in, flip in with Cox, flip in with Jackson. They're fine. I mean, that D line is is very good if they stay healthy. That's what us. I mean. You got a front four is impressive in Philadelphia and just to give some like give them a breather for maybe just six to eight snaps per game, maybe a little more than that, depending on who it is, is uh, important. So, I mean, I thought it was a fine move. You know, they could have probably found somebody, but it was a fine move to get someone like that. 
Yeah, and uh, talking about that defensive line, I, I don't know how I totally forgot to mention Derek Barnett. Hopefully he comes back and is like the player we saw his rookie season. Oh, yeah. It's just depth there. That, that's been their kind of bread and butter for the past few seasons. Is you win the game on the front line, right? That defensive and offensive line, that's where you want to bolster up. So they bolstered up big time. Um, before we get into the undrafted free agents, just touching on that a little bit and rounding up, what was your overall grade for the Eagles draft between all of their picks? All of their picks combined. Um I would definitely, I didn't do that. I did the first two and last, but I could definitely do a, a grade right now because let me just combine it. So I, I gave them an, an a, a minus for the first two picks. And then I gave them a, a solid C minus. Like I said, I actually just gave them an entire C minus for that lower. So I'll give them a B. I'll give them a solid B, maybe a B, a, a solid 83. How about that? No, that's a grade. Right. Solid 83. Not, an, not a B minus, but it was close. The last few picks were just, you could have had certain players that could have made that an A plus at a certain point. You know what I mean? And um, that's the thing that uh, it penalizes them a, a little bit there. Um, did they get better? They definitely got better, but I don't think they got exceedingly better. I mean, they're already a good team, man. Like the Eagles, they're a good team, and uh, I have like a lot of confidence that they may they might make it back to the playoffs. I mean, depending on how Wentz, you know, responds. But they're a good team, so we'll see how it uh, how it plays out. But uh, Definitely think that it was a solid B, and uh, they they did all right. They did all right, you know. Yeah, and I think just in talking it out with you, I, I have seen a more realistic perspective because they've been focusing so much on those first two picks, really, and how that assessed two big needs moving forward. I thought it was a win, but as I look later in the draft and you're explaining all of these players they could have, could have drafted and – kind of reaching i would definitely say b minus overall yeah. now the the draft is the draft you're gonna have your winners and then you're gonna have players who fill their roster spots and in three years if dillard is an all pro left tackle and miles sanders is tearing it up i'll give him an a because you hit two home runs exactly, exactly. we'll have to wait and see hey one of those players turns into an all pro you hit an a you know what i mean That's you're the right whole, you got one player but i mean like it's like you said, it's it's. I, I don't think it was a terrible draft. I don't think it was a bad draft at all. I mean, those two players, like we said, were just fantastic. But it's just it's just what we were talking about. These these players that you almost just didn't want in a sense. Like, no, we have our guys. We don't need them. Let's just focus on this position. I I didn't see best player available, which is something that I I hear is harped out of Philadelphia. So a little confused on that as well. Yeah, and one more one more question before we do the undrafted free agency portion. Miles Sanders drafted in the second round. You're a Penn State fan, so you're got a little bit of bias towards him. Do you think that a second round pick was a reach for a running back in this draft, and that they could have sat back and picked someone else later on? I would say potentially, but they realistically didn't have another pick to get a running back till that fourth round pick. And at that point, um, I'm not, I gotta, I'd have to go through, but uh, I don't think that a running back could have made an impact the way that, um, and yeah, they had the last pick in the fourth round. There was nobody available that would have made an impact the way that Miles Sanders did. It, it wasn't a reach whatsoever. Josh Jacobs wasn't available. Would I've taken Jacobs over Sanders? Most likely without a doubt. But would I have taken anybody else over Sanders? No, absolutely not. So they got the second best running back in the draft. 
in the bottom of the second round. There's no complaints there. He's that's a fantastic pick. I will take it. And I'm, I'm glad that they're able to bolster that that Jason Peters air first overall, because that's really the biggest needs. Now, looking at undrafted free agents, just I'm going to ask who your top pick is out of all the undrafted free agents who you think is could make an impact or even just make the roster and maybe get some special teams playing time. Well, number one and number one only is TJ Edwards. This guy is the best undrafted player probably picked up. I don't know how this guy wasn't even drafted. I'll be so dead honest with you. Fantastic player. All-American player at Wisconsin. The guy is he he know you could just see he knows football. You could see that he's smart on the field. He's a leader. He was a starter since he was a, I think as a sophomore. The guy is an absolute animal. He's not the twitchy you know, Devin White, 6'1", 244, 4'4", guy. He's a, I think he's about 6'1", 230, but that's a, enough size. And I think he runs in the 4'6s or 7s. I'd have to, I have to fact check that one. But I, it's just, it, it's a fantastic pickup. TJ Edwards, the guy's a Wisconsin, he's a Wisconsin Badger. Nothing but great players come out of Wisconsin. I'm not a, I'm a Penn State fan, but listen, Wisconsin players, they're, they, they end up just being good. So, I mean, I just have a feeling. Like, look at, they're just like alumni of NFL players. I just I, I just see him as being your middle linebacker that could replace Zach Brown after Brown gets older, his contract runs out. I really could. I could see him being that starter that you need, and I think he could definitely replace the uh, the bad times they, the Eagles have had at uh, the linebacker position, at the middle linebacker specifically. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, Wisconsin, I think it's kind of synonymous with tough, so you're going to get a tough yeah. player. Absolutely, absolutely. The guy is, I mean – I don't think he missed a game. I mean, I know he was a first-team All-American his junior year, and he had he had a kind of a down year last year. But I think he was dealing with some injuries. But it wasn't anything that was too um, like a lasting. I don't think any there was any real concern. And it's just the player. He's a, he's a. I think he had about four interceptions or three interceptions in like every single one of his years. Like I'm pretty positive. Yeah, he actually ended his career with 10 interceptions yeah. for a linebacker. Exactly. That's that's I mean, that's Luke Keekley status with those three and four every year. I'm not calling him Luke Keekley at all, but I'm just saying he plays the, the pass well. And when someone does that, it's it's it, it shows that he he reads his coverages and he, and he reads his playbook and he, and he understands what the offense is going to be doing. Um, and I, I just see him as a good player, man. I, I think he's going to be a starter. And he's, yeah, he has absolutely, I mean, not absolutely, but he really doesn't have a lot of pressure coming in as an undrafted free agent. No one's going to be looking at him, but once Zach Brown gets to that age, or even if he could challenge Zach Brown early on, you never know what kind of steal you can have in undrafted free agency. Jason Peters was an undrafted free agent turned probably will be hall of famer, uh, once his career's over. So you never know what you can steal out of that. I personally was uh, devastated when I saw that Delvon Randall was let go after being signed. Uh, my, my temple owl, I thought he was going to lock down the nest, be a safety. He's also an interception Hawk and he reads the ball very well, but they decided not to go with him. So I, that was going to be my steal, but he's no longer an Eagle. So watch out for him. Whoever picks him up. Could you tell me about, uh, just for a quick second, could you tell me about Rocky Sin? Is that how you say his name? Yeah, Rocky Sin is a beast. Um, he, you could have, like, taken. 
Uh, he was picked in the second round. Uh, I think second pick in the second round by the Colts. But right. he was he has I, an he had an interesting story. He played three years at Presbyterian and then transferred into Temple for his senior year and really became a leader on the secondary. And it was a defense that was ranked in the top ten in so many different uh, categories in the nation, but they were really talented at takeaways and Rocky said was a monster in coverage. So um, he's going to be a, a huge addition for the Colts alongside. They, they actually have two of the best temple secondary players in team history. Nate Harrison's there and making an impact for them. I think they were ranked 10th in the league last year, overall defense. So, I mean, Yasin's going to be a stud and Harrison's going to be good aside him and, Temple's known for its secondary. That's really what they've got going for them in the NFL. I've, I don't know Tavon Young. You know him from uh, from Baltimore. He's he's turned out to be a stud. So he's look a good, out. good player. He's a good player. I know. I know you're talking about. That's great. Look no, yeah, for, I just I just had to look out for the yeah, like we were saying, Temple. Rockies. Yeah, he he was he was really strong leadership on the field too. Yeah, I know so, you're a single digit, right? When they, when you're in the single. Yeah. Temple, that's that's like an honor. That's Temple tough. That goes to the nine toughest players on the team. Uh, Delvon Randall also had number two Temple tough. He was a four-year, three-year starter, four-year contributor, and he had the most third most interceptions in American Athletic Conference history and fourth most in uh, Temple history. He played the most games in Temple history alongside Michael Dogby, who was drafted by... Oh, I can't remember who he was drafted by now, but oh, the Cardinals. He's going to be really good. There's a lot of good Temple players um, in the pros right now. They're building the case for uh, the second team in Pennsylvania behind your <laughs> Nittany Lions, which uh, all, all, I have, all I have to say is I was sitting in the front row when Temple took down the Lions, so I'll forever hold that one against the Penn State faithful. You can... You can hold on to that one. When they were when they were rocking uh, Hackenberg and Jesus. Bo- a borderline offensive line, I remember uh, we rushed two players and sacked Hackenberg. Yeah, it was it was pretty awful times. I mean, he was uh, he was a special player in, in his own type of special. <laughs> talk a, talk about a player that to go off on a tangent. Talk about a player that had so much potential and just kind of. Dude, number one laid an egg. Number one quarterback going into, into college had a fantastic freshman year. Looked like it's, he would be a star. You know, what I mean, Bill O'Brien. And I think that was the issue. Bill O'Brien left, and he just kind of like I don't know, fell off. I, I can't describe it. I, I heard a lot of things about him having a pretty pretty shitty attitude at situations. I mean, he definitely didn't. He showed he showed his stripes in that AAF game. I don't know if you saw that. Where. Uh, like, he like went. He was a uh, mic'd up for his first AAF game. He goes in and he's screaming at his teammates, he's cursing at them, screaming the f word like way too much. And it was just like, wow, this guy's uh, he's not really a, a very good level-headed leader out there. You know what I'm saying? So I, I can only wonder what he was like at Penn State when he's going in there thinking he's number one recruit in the nation. You know, what I mean, big, big, big dog in the you know whatever he thought he was because it did not turn out the way. Uh, he thought it was going to go. That's all I know. Yeah, and you would think that you would kind of restructure your mindset once you're playing in the American well, <laughs> the American Alliance of Football or whatever that didn't even make it through a full season. But exactly. I guess some people just have an ego, and it's what it is. But uh, right. my last my last question before we close up Eagle Draft Talk is: I've heard a lot of talk about Penn State's DeAndre Tompkins, who 
I'm not going to lie. I made a typo when I was writing up my notes about the draft picks and I put down DeAndre Hopkins because you can spell, <laughs> you can spell Hopkins by just taking out a few letters and Tompkins. So yeah. if that's anything, if that's any sort of, well, sign. I don't oh, know. Is oh, this a sign? Try, I see what you're doing there. I see what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You want me to talk all good about him? Well, listen. <laughs> not he's he's a good player, but don't think you're gonna get Mr. Freaking DeAndre Howard. There's no way. There's no way. I, I mean, he's fine. But he's a small guy. He's, he's quick. He's fast. You know, he's what we were talking about. Um, he could be your punt returner or your kick returner. I think. You know what I mean? He could come and contribute immediately. He's a good player. Um, he's not the, he doesn't have the best hands in the world. I'll say that. And he's not the most established route runner, but, um, I, he's fast. I mean, he's so fast. He's a four, three guy and he could be an answer to you guys for, I mean, well, uh, that actually be perfect for you. Now I think about it with Sproles leaving, you need a punt returner. There you go. I mean, he could be your answer. Like I said. Yeah, that's, that's what I saw. And I know Miles Sanders also did some a little bit of kick return yeah, and punt you return. Want, you don't want your start running back. No, no. I just saw that that was a thing. But, yeah, I, I, we don't need anybody with bad hands. We have enough issues yeah. catching the ball. Yeah, he's – I mean, he's not, he's, not, he's a Penn Stater. He doesn't got terrible <laughs> Of course not. But it, it just it, he's not, uh, you know, he's not an all-pro for how many years now. Yeah, so what, I'm, what I heard there was all players out of Penn State are awesome. <laughs> they're not i mean yeah. i mean i just won hey i mean it was a penn state heavy draft for the eagles i was it was they went hometown a bunch i think they still should have gone a little more hometown and went uh adderley and in, instead of Whiteside. but i mean that would have completed it that would have been three what jesus not you know sanders he's a pittsburgh guy but i mean three pa guys to go to a, to go to the eagles that would have been pretty cool yeah, and they, they, who else did they got an offensive lineman from Penn State and undrafted yeah. free agency? I was saying, yeah, Ryan Bates, left guard from uh, Penn State. He's a Penn Stater. He's a uh, oh, where'd he go? He's I think he's from around here too, actually. Not around around the Philadelphia area. Yeah, yeah. I just saw I just saw that, and I can't for the life of me remember where he went, but somewhere around Philadelphia. So he's yeah. coming home. Yeah. Well, there you have it. That's your Eagles draft coverage from the Eagles draft expert at the morning call, Jake Molusky. Before you go, Jake, who should we watch on the Chargers moving forward this season in the uh, off chance that it's an Eagles Chargers Super Bowl? Eagles Chargers Super Bowl. All right. Off chance, which is not that much of an off chance because we know the Chargers are going better. Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, who to look for? Um, I really think you should watch out for, uh, like I said, Jerry Tillery. He's he's the guy that I had the Eagles originally taking in the in my last mock draft. The Eagles, unfortunately, not unfortunately, but they didn't go that way, and uh, they took Dillard. They made a smart move in moving up, but uh, I had them go and de-tackle. Um, I think Tillery's going to be great. He's a run stuffer. He's 6'7", 300 pounds. He's a monster. Um, he could cause some chaos inside. I mean, you see the Chargers play the Eagles. The, where the Eagles struggling at is that guard position. And uh, say Brooks isn't back, uh, it may be a tough day to stop him on the inside. So you can see his name called a lot of that. It is a, a Chargers Eagles Super Bowl. So yeah, that's what to look for. He's a he, he was a, he's a good player, Notre Dame guy. So I mean, would it be any more Philadelphia to have the ball with three seconds left in the Super Bowl, down six points? <laughs> two yard line we need to run up the gut we go with jordan howard and tillery stuffs him and what could have been ends our season that would be really fitting but uh 
Let's just hope that we both make it back. What, what are, are the Chargers? Do they have any fans? Uh, in, like me. in in Los Angeles, me. they have me <laughs> fly out to every game. <laughs> uh, they, I don't know. There there's fans out there. It's a uh, it's it's tough because people didn't like that they left San Diego, but San Diego wasn't willing to really renovate that stadium. It was just a tough situation. But they start winning, and they were winning. I think they'll get some fans. I mean, that StubHub Center wasn't nearly big enough, so I mean, they'll they'll figure it out. Yeah, it's really strange watching games go on in LA right now because there's. There's not really a home field advantage, which comes back to bite you in the playoffs. It really can. I mean, it, it just yeah. That that Coliseum game though, I was that was pretty that was pretty cool watching the Rams play the Chiefs in that Coliseum game. I mean, that atmosphere was pretty insane if you watched it. That Monday night game, that was oh probably my god, the 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 uh, Mahomes shootout. Yep, that was fantastic, man. I thought and that was L.A. That was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. So they're there. They're fa- fa- football fans are in L.A. They're there. We'll see what happens. We'll see if it's a Chargers Eagles Super Bowl. Jake, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for coming on to the show and sharing your expertise. Uh, we have a lot to look forward to this season in Philly, even with just these first two picks and with the guys who came back. So uh, any last words from our draft expert from the morning call? What do we have to look forward coming from you in the future? Uh, yeah, just uh, look forward to you know, some more writing, some more stories. Just uh, keep going. Mcall.com, you know, slash sports. If uh, you want to see anything of mine, just make sure to scroll around in the uh, Eagles or the Penn State section. And you'll find all my stuff there. So, yeah, keep reading. Um, I appreciate any type of new uh, readers. And, yeah, I just uh, want to say thank you again, Pete. It's great being on here. Um, you do a great job. So, yeah, this is cool, man. Hey, thanks, man. We will definitely – I mean, I know you're a Chargers fan, so – We'll do what we can, but we'll have you back on to talk birds as much as you want come the season because we are we're flying high. The Philly fans perspective, we're a four for four podcast, but, you know, come bird season, we go ham. That's for certain. We go ham. Uh, We live and die by our eagles. And anytime you want to come on and talk six, too soon to say that word, even any of the other teams (laughs) you want to come on, you're more than welcome. Thank you so much, man. We'll be talking to you soon. Sounds good, man. Thanks. All right, well, that just about wraps it up. I had a really good time talking with Jake. Um, Like I said, so much that I learned about the players that we missed on, but perhaps one of those undrafted free agents can boost this squad, make the team, and surprise us all to make up for it. And, you know, like I said, you never know what you're going to get. It might seem like we reached for a few players, but... Perhaps it was the right move. Howie knows what he's doing, and I'm really excited for football season to come around. But baseball season's also in swing, so we'll be doing some Philly stuff. Justin and I are going to try and do a Sixers recap. I know it's kind of late now, but uh, we definitely want to touch on our Sixer thoughts closing out and where they're going into next or the offseason and into next season what's going to happen with Jimmy Butler and with Tobias Harris and all of those players and what they need to do to get over that hump and get to the next level we'll be talking Phillies big sweep against the Rockies and now they're playing in Wrigley tonight so uh, we're going to try and have an episode Justin and I reunited we'll see what we can do but for now thank you guys so much Um, that's all I got send requests Play me out. So tell me-